Welcome to the Mission Driven Mom Podcast, the place where moms just like you are empowered with all the knowledge, skills, and tools you need to discover, pursue, and fulfill your personal life mission while still putting motherhood first. Introduction to Principles Part 3 on Principles. This is the last part in our series that we've been doing for the last few weeks, starting with Natural Laws and then First Principles and then Principles. Um, We're going to talk for the next few minutes about, you know, some clear definitions of what principles are. I want to give you some examples from some different authors and thought leaders about the idea of principles. And then we're going to go through and and kind of play with some examples about how you might discover principles uh, better in your own life. Thank you for joining me. My name is Audrey Rindlisbacher. I'm a blogger, speaker, author of The Mission Driven Life and founder of The Mission Driven Mom. Uh, It's an organization that empowers mothers to discover their personal life mission and use their greatest gifts in the service of humanity while still putting motherhood first. I'm super excited that you're here and hope that you can benefit from this um, and would love to have you share it out if it's something that was of benefit to you. I just have to say, if you hear a crunching noise while we're on today, it's my bag of ice. I made the mistake of grabbing a curling iron that was on the bathroom counter with on the wrong end. And so if I don't have ice on this, it really, really hurts. So I'm going to keep ice on it while we talk about principles. I want to go back to the Syntopicon. I've mentioned this in a previous Facebook Live on the Introduction to Principles. This is from the great book set. Um, That's a whole other history of education that we'll do coming up soon in another another event that we do. The Syntopicon is a compilation from Mortimer Adler basically put it together and it's taking those 101 great ideas that are touched upon in the greatest books ever written in history. And they have, if you can see here, all these uh, sub-subjects of that idea and then where you can find that idea in every one of the great books in the great book set. (laughs) It's really amazing. So um, in fact, there's a picture I think that you can find online of Mortimer Adler and he's got a stack. He's got this massive desk in front of him with massive stacks of papers as he's building this Syntopicon. So principle is, of course, one of those ideas that is in the, one of the great ideas that's talked about from, by Western philosophers from the beginning of Western history, written Western history. And I quoted a, a couple things in a previous Facebook Live on this, but I want it. I want to talk about some other parts of principles that he talks about here because he gives some characteristics of them. And when I go over, I've done this in other presentations, we may be able to touch on it here. We definitely work on it in depth in level two in the academy. Uh, Those 12 characteristics of true principles. The first one is what Adler talks about here. So he says uh, one of the most important attributes of principles is their generality. So he says, just as rules apply to an indefinite number of particular cases, so any principle we appeal to in order to decide a a practical problem or to weigh the merits of an action undertaken can be applied again and again in other circumstances. In all our knowledge of general principles, Russell writes, and he's quoting Russell now, 
What actually happens is that first of all, we realize some particular application of the principle, and then we realize that the particularity of is irrelevant and that there is a generality which may be equally truly affirmed. Okay, so that's kind of a little bit of bogged down language, but basically he's quoting other authors because there are so many and talking about how these principles really are general in nature. They can be applied across the board in lots of different situations by people in different points in history and in different cultures, and that's their generality, that they apply so many places to so many people. Sometimes people don't inherently necessarily know what the principle might be. We talked about that's a key difference between first principles and principles, that principles often need to be learned, but their application will always bring positive fruits for people um, in different circumstances. He says, a second characteristic of principles is that they are the source of other things. So then he goes on to give a couple examples, and I'll elaborate on this in just a minute. He says, in jurisprudence, the search for principles consists in the attempt to discover those few most fundamental precepts from which the more detailed rules of law can be derived. The constitution of a state provides the principles which underlie its particular laws and sets the standard by which their legality is to be measured. Governments are judged by the principles they attempt to apply, as well as by their success in putting these principles into practice. It reminds me of that guy, I can't remember his name. Um, he's in China and he won the Nobel Peace Prize, but he's been fighting, you know, in communist China, there's, there's more application of true economic principles there too, which uh, we don't have time to get into, but as they, you know, through Mao, they killed millions of people anyway, they applied certain economic principles, which helped them to begin to thrive again, but they still don't have a lot of freedom. And this particular guy, I can't remember his name. He has been, he has written a lot on the principles of government and how the Chinese don't live those governmental principles and that makes them unprincipled. He goes on to say, to say of a government that its acts are unprincipled is, unprincipled is not to condemn the particular acts as wrong, but to accuse the government of having no uniform policy to serve as a foundation for its acts. And so this, this guy that won the Nobel Peace Prize, um, they wouldn't let him out of the country to go and accept it. <laughs> he's been in prison a lot um, because he's been rallying people for better governmental principles in China, much to the chagrin of the of the Chinese government. And 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 one of one of the things that I've discovered is that, you know, when I when I first became a liberal arts student, a lot of my studies were built around government and economics. And at first, I was kind of disgruntled by that. And I was kind of like, it's just, that's kind of boring. That's nothing I've ever been interested in. And frankly, I wouldn't have done it if I didn't, if I wouldn't have loved the course offering so much. Like I just loved the fact that we were reading original writings and I hadn't found that anywhere. And so I just kept with it because those were the classes I had to take by virtue of the school I'd chosen to go to. And it was, it's just amazing how universal those ideas are. It used to be called political economy, and it was the foundation of a good, solid education. Because in order to, in order to understand government and economics, you first have to understand law. And in order to understand law, you have to understand natural law and first principles and principles. And so that's why it became this really powerful tool for me and totally changed my life because it gave me that background and then 
it was kind of a jumping off place. And then I went on to study it in a lot more depth later on. And so interesting, I was, uh, my daughter was on a discussion. <laughs> I could overhear her. She's in an online class. And they were having a discussion yesterday. And, you know, it was just like, <laughs> when it was over, she was frustrated. And she wanted to talk to me about it. Um, because it was about um, natural laws and principles. And unfortunately, they didn't have the proper foundation. These youth hadn't read the right books and they hadn't, they didn't understand the concepts and they didn't really understand what principles were. And I overheard, I heard this booming young man's voice coming down the stairs, overheard him say, well, we all have our own virtues and we all have our own morals. And you have to understand these are good these are solid youth. I mean these are good kids in many in, in a lot of cases Christian kids, certainly God-fearing kids who 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 believe in God but are still kind of putting in her two cents and when we got off she was like okay I have to run this by you and you have to tell me if, if what I said was right and she's digging in the books even deeper because now this is kind of her first opportunity. We talked about it at home forever, but it's kind of her first opportunity to see firsthand. Oh, wow. You know, when we really get into the meat of this, most people don't really get it. And they really think that morals are relative and they really think that everyone has their own truth. And it's, it's such a, it's such dangerous ground because it's just the road away from God and it's the road away from truth. So I want to read you a couple sources that I love, um, actually that we're going to use in level two, along with a whole bunch of other resources. Um, one of them, whatever happened to justice, um, by Richard Mayberry. So fantastic. Um, he quotes Thomas Paine here. He says, um, American founder Thomas Paine wrote, man cannot make principles. He can only discover them. This is crucially important. It also explains the premise of both science and common law. Um, under common law, the judge was a sort of combination philosopher and scientist. His task was to discover the principles that make civilization possible. Principles such as thou shalt not steal and thou shalt not murder and apply them in cases brought before him. He was a thinker in the tradition of, of Democritus, Newton, Galileo, and other philosopher scientists who were trying to discover how the universe works. This is a major reason why lawyers and judges were so highly respected. They had the status of scientists, and it was their life's work to discover and apply correct moral principles. Because you cannot have a society, and this is the real lie, this is the real danger zone, to think that you can have a society that doesn't agree on its founding principles. And it's the reason America worked, because the founding principles were universal, and they were part of the educational systems, blah, blah, blah. And... Um, and as soon as the fabric unravels and you have the core of your civilization disagreeing on the core fundamental principles, then you're in real danger. So this is another great source, Proper Role of Government by um, Ezra Benson. He starts out, of course, saying governments have to be founded on principles. And, and, and it's interesting because government and economics are things which <laughs> the founders would just roll over in their graves because um, the whole point was to teach natural law and correct principles and help people to know how to be free. Um, that was the point of education. And of course, very few people even study government and economics. The only people that really study law in depth much 
our, you know, attorneys, even our government leaders, you know, the average person used to have that understanding. They don't now. And so you really, in order to, in order to touch upon it at all, you have to read, you have to, you have to kind of study government economics, but even then you've got, you know, we don't touch on the Austrian school. And so since we don't do that, then we don't get natural law and principles much because um, we're Keynesian. So anyway, um, that's, that's really unfortunate. So that's why you have to go back to, and that's why these sources, the reason I'm saying that is because these sources are government in their governmental in their nature because that's the foundation of a society and it touches on the true nature of man if you're going to build a society. So he says, this is the beginning, uh, the very beginning of, of this tract. Men in the public spotlight constantly are asked to express what express an opinion on a myriad of government proposals and projects. What do you think of TVA? What is your opinion of Medicare? How do you feel about urban renewal? The list is endless. All too often, answer to the answers to these questions seem to be based not upon any solid principle, but upon the popularity of the specific government program in question. Seldom are men willing to oppose a program, a popular program if they themselves wish to be popular, especially if they seek public office. Government should be based upon sound principles. Such an approach to vital political questions of the day can only lead to public confusion and legislative chaos. Decisions of this nature should be based upon and measured against certain basic principles regarding the proper role of government. If principles are correct, then they can be applied to any specific proposal with confidence. And that's what you find universally. That's what, that's what Adler was saying just a minute ago. That's what Russell was saying when he quoted Russell, that they're general in nature, that they're foundational before action, and that they can be applied to a multitude of, of circumstances with success because they are universal. And what you find is when you start to gain an understanding of the basic concepts of law and natural law and the types of law, blah, 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 then um, you start to see where principles emerge. So for example, I gave you some ideas of first principles, which were things like um, ideas of fairness, laws of the harvest, all people should tell the truth. These are things that, like Reed said, are written on our hearts by the finger of God. They are intuitive. They, you don't even have to explain them. I mean, if you were to say to somebody, well, you should tell the truth, or things ought to be fair, or you can't, you know, reap a reward without putting in the work, they would intuitively agree. You know, one of the things, um, again, on this discussion, <laughs> this discussion with the, the these youth yesterday, I, I, it wasn't my class, and 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 the mentor is phenomenal, and and I really trust her, and it's going to be a great class for my daughter. But it was just fascinating to listen in, and another one of the students made the comment. Oh, it just it just pains me, and and it's interesting because after we were done, and I was talking to my daughter, I was like so passionate, <laughs> getting loud and upset. And I was like, if you want to know why I do the Mission Driven Mom, you have just nailed it right there. This is the whole reason behind the whole organization is to empower moms to raise kids who are principle-centered. Because, um, you know, one of the kids said, well, you know, um, because one of the readings was The Hiding Place. And so World War II is coming up. And she said, well, you know, Hitler probably didn't know what he was doing was wrong. And, and, and he just, he just probably thought, thought it was fine. 
you know. And boy, I just, it was scaring the pants off me when she said that. <laughs> Can you see why? Because like, man, if she thinks that truth is that relative, if she doesn't understand the basic tenets of human nature, if she doesn't get that every person is born with a conscience and a knowledge of right and wrong as part of the human fabric, then we're in serious trouble, serious trouble. So anyway, there were, and there were, there were other comments and I wasn't even listening very much. I was busy. And so those were just floating down the stairs and just fueling the fire. <laughs> anyway, so those are the kinds of things that are just going to be first principles. Just they're clear. Of course, Hitler knew what he was doing. <laughs> now he may have made so many bad choices that he deadened his conscience. I'm sure to the point where fewer and fewer things actually his felt wrong. His guilt was, was dumbed down, but definitely you know, of course he knew. So um, that's why he killed himself when he was caught. Anyway, so the difference between those first principles and a general principle is that the general principle is going to be more specific to a certain area of life. This is the easiest way I've come to see to, to discuss this and to explain this is that it's going to be too specific to an area of your life. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in a second. So for example, um, spend less than you earn. Okay. Or, um, putting first things first or eating a well-balanced diet or business principles, books like, for example, the e-myth could never be written or promoted or purchased by millions of people or used successfully if there were no such thing as principles. One of the things I like to say a lot is that the whole, I, people will say they believe in my truth, your truth, and my morality, your morality. Except that when it comes to them, they don't, they want people to inherently know the things that they shouldn't do. They shouldn't cheat on them and they shouldn't steal their stuff. They should inherently know that's wrong, right? And they shouldn't do that to you. So, so anyway, in the first instance, that doesn't work. But it also doesn't work because we wouldn't try to help each other and write all these self-help books if we didn't think that there was an underlying principle that would work for both of us. So certainly, I can't live your application. There's no there'd be no reason for me to write a book and say, okay, I belong to you fit because they have... 5.15 a.m. classes, and I do that so I can exercise while the kids are asleep and I can have more time to get other things done. And so I'm going to write a book telling you that that's what you ought to do and that that's going to, of course, that's my application. But what I can tell you is that you should exercise, but I can't tell you, well, this is my weightlifting program and every person on planet Earth should do that weightlifting program. Those are all applications. So I have to pull back to something that you and I can both do. We can both exercise daily and we can both get our heart rate up, but you, there are a myriad of things that you might want to do to exercise. That's your application. So when you go to the self-help section of the bookstore or wherever, and you pull books off, that's, those are individuals. Now there, there's, and, and this is where it gets confusing because there's, there's a combination principle and application on that in that book. Sometimes the author isn't always clear about the difference. And, um, and so that's where you've got to learn to be more discerning. But, but that's why we do this exercise. I'm going to go over with you in just a second. This exercise that we do in level two of the, of the academy that's super helpful for that. Um, 
course, one of my very favorite quotes in the whole world, Stephen Covey said, um, principles apply at all times and all places. Unlike values, they're objective and external. They operate in obedience to natural law regardless of conditions. Uh, one of the things that he, an example that he gives of this that's super helpful is he talks about a gang of thieves. So the gang of thieves can have values in common. They can, uh, they can like the same kinds of things. They can decide they're not going to hurt each other, but they can hurt people outside the gang. But those aren't true principles. You know, we shouldn't live the way gangsters live. And so they might have values in common, but they're not necessarily living principle-centered lives. So um, I can quickly touch on these 12. I will just rattle them off. Um, these 12 characteristics of true principles. Um, I used to have all these bookmarks that had these, these 12 points on them. Um, maybe we'll do that again for MDM. That would be fun. Um, and you can have them in your book. Uh, we've already said it's a foundational idea. We've already said it's true for all people all the time. That's one, two. Number three, this kind of goes without saying, they increase freedom. So it doesn't matter, for example, forgiveness is a true principle. If you learn, if you apply that principle, the principles of forgiveness, you will be more emotionally and spiritually free. So whatever the area of life is, if you save 10% and live those financial principles, you will have greater freedom with your finances. If you live marriage principles, you will have greater freedom in your marriage. Principles always increase freedom. Number four is that they always expand your mind. So they always, um, you think like, it, it really does feel um, like you understand more, like um, it's more, truth is more encompassing, it's easier to make connections. You see the connections between um, different ideas. Um, it enlightens the heart. So you will, you'll feel enlightened. It's like a light bulb. It goes on. You feel you, like this epiphany, it's the epiphany type experience. And number six, enlarges your soul. So as you live principles and become more principle centered, it's like there's more of you. Um, you there's there's more essence to your being and you're more grounded you're more solid seven they empower you and you know i have some somebody asked me for recommended readings on each of these 12 and and um we can we can work on on making that available too because that 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 would be a fun exercise they empower you so they'll revive your hope uh, a lot of despair out there, a lot of discouragement, a lot of people having anxiety attacks on antidepressants, and it's because they don't have any idea about natural law, they don't live true principles, and so they feel disempowered and they feel hopeless. Principles bring renewed power and hope. Uh, eight, they increase your desire for good. So when you experience the lasting results that principles generate, you want to discover and live more of them. It's an upward spiral. You become um, a better and better person. Um, and there's, there's more good that you understand, more good that you want to do. You just become a better person. They generate growth. So they definitely always improve your life in some way and they cause you and others to grow. They're reverberating. And so you can't, it's kind of like when we used to talk about um, marriage and we would give this example about marital principles. In a marriage, 
there's a kind of an equation one plus one equals two, right? Like you have a certain way that you've always been in your marriage and your spouse has a way that they've always been. And so we'll always talk to people about how when you change your way of being, because a lot of people feel disempowered in their marriages. And so we're always talking about, well, you can apply marital principles and get results in your marriage. And guess what? You can live them without your spouse being involved. You don't need your spouse to change. You can change. And the reason that it works, the reason that it makes a difference is because when you grow, when you're bigger than one, when you're 1.1 or 1.2 or 1.5, you've changed the whole equation. And so it forces your spouse to respond differently and to be different because you're different. The status quo has changed. And it's the same in your home. It's the same with your children, in your neighborhood, in all your relationships. You bring who you are into everything that you do. And so as you grow, everything grows and expands. There's more of you and, and your relationships grow. Improved health, whether it's relationships, finances, physical health, career, you will see increased health and wholeness through, that's number 10, through Living True Principles, number 11, win-win solutions. Um, living, understanding, finding living principles never creates a win-lose, okay? So it's never um, that I get something and you walk away feeling like I've used you and you've missed out and um, it's this is the classic go to seven habits and learn more about what a win-win is, but it simply means that Principles can always build bridges and help us find a way to help everyone experience the benefits. And then 12, they build unity. So because they're true for all people all the time, and this for me was really probably one of the biggest, most exciting elements about natural law and principles was their unifying effect. Uh, because once you get everyone's mind around, well, there's principles that underlie all of this, whether it's a homeschool co-op that you're starting, or it's a community project, or it's, um, it's a service that you're doing at your church. When you get people around you and you're all on board with the same principles, you feel a lot of unity. And it's much easier to get things done and to make decisions because you constantly have this gauge for decision-making. That's why it's so key at the end of level one, you write this mission statement and that becomes your guiding light towards the next phases of, of, of your time in the academy and of your life. And as you do that, it becomes unifying for your family because now you're more principle-centered and they can be as well. Um, of course, ignoring true principles always brings the opposite of all of those things. And it's really easy to see. One thing that, that's always really stood out in my mind in, um, in The Last Battle by C.S. Lewis, it's the last book in the Narnia series, when, uh, no, 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 this line, The Witch in the Wardrobe, when Aslan comes back and winter starts to fade away and the, the queen um, is out and her sleigh doesn't work anymore because there's not snow, she runs across a group of animals that are having a feast because now it's springtime and they can harvest and there's abundance because Aslan brings abundance she knocks it over and yells at them and basically says, what is all this waste? 
because the long-term effects of not living principles is always the opposite of those 12 outcomes, that somebody loses, that there's disunity, that there's discouragement and despair, that growth is stopped, that there's a lack of freedom. And you can see that in civilizations. It's really easy. I mean, the 20th century just demonstrates that you've got this huge, you know, this huge, um, parallel difference between different civilizations around the world and you can study their histories and you can look at their code of ethics and their founding principles and you can see the results really easy to look at that and see um see what what power principles have so i'll do we got a couple minutes like two or three and i, I want to show you the quickly this exercise in the in the level two of the academy we go through a core course and we read all these cool things about law and the nature of law and, and and all these awesome readings and we discuss that and then we do all these activities to learn how to um how to find principles in all different kinds of readings and and ideas for how to apply them that kind of thing and then after that you have you get to choose three areas in your life that you want to bring more into a printable principle centered context and so maybe you want to fit, work on your health, work on your finances, work on your marriage, whatever the case may be. So what we do then is have a recommended readings list and you go and you find the principles and you look at the unifying ideas and then you figure out how you're going to apply them to your situation and you practice that it's super fun. So what I did really quickly before we started, I just pulled off my shelf a handful of financial books that I, that I've got. Okay. And I just, all I did, and this is what I'm talking about with the self-help section. Um, I have some notes in here. We're going to talk about how to mark a book next week. So we'll go through some of that. But so you've got the contents and just listen while I read through the table of contents in some of these books. This is Millionaire Next Door. Meet the Millionaire Next Door. And I've got some, a list of commonalities between the kinds of people that they are. They tend to be more religious. They tend to be married, they tend to have stay-at-home spouses, or that work less, blah, blah, blah. Chapter two, frugal, frugal, frugal. Chapter three, time, energy, and money. Chapter four, you aren't what you drive. Chapter five, economic outpatient care. Um, chapter seven, find your niche. And then jobs, millionaires versus heirs. So you heard some, some key phrases there. I'll go here. And um, this, this one, The Richest Man in Babylon, doesn't have chapter headings that help. The contents isn't helpful. But what I did was write down the laws that right here in the front of my book that he goes over. Save 10% of all you earn. That's on pages 14 and 13. Use your savings to earn more. Do philanthropy. Pay a tithe. Seek investment advice from experts. Be careful what advice you accept. Create income. Live on less than you earn. Invest conservatively. So then you've got the nine steps to financial freedom. Um, same kind of deal. Uh, the past holds the key to your future. Facing your fears with new truths. Being honest with yourself. Uh, being respectful of yourself and your money. Being able to receive all the ebb and flow. Recognizing true wealth. So... I don't have as good, of, I haven't studied this one all the way through, so there's some some key things there. Your money or your life, this is a, an awesome, awesome book. Um, and these will be some of the recommended meetings, readings in that level too that you, can, that you can do. How much is enough? Seeing progress. 
valuing your uh, the um the the roadmap for money where's it all going so they talk about tracking your income and living on less knowing how much you've earned in your life looking at how much satisfaction it gave you and what um what enough is for you valuing your life energy managing your finances so it's really simple to see there in just two or three minutes as I ran through those books. And then what you have is you've got people like Richard Paul Evans or David Green who are also just financially successful. And in their biographies, they tell the same story. Well, they worked really, really hard. They lived the principles these books talked about. They saved, they built businesses, on and on and on. And then guess what? I mean, like Richard Paul Evans, Soon as he signed the multi-million dollar contract for his book, the first thing he did when he went home was start a nonprofit organization with his wife. So you, it's not rocket science. <laughs> it's not really all that hard. I mean, I'm here to help you, but it is definitely something people can learn to do. And it's really, I don't have time to get into it now, but I'll just say this, this may sound unkind when I say this, but for people to talk about my truth and your truth and for people to disregard the truth of natural law is just lazy. It's easy, right? Like, well, I don't really have to do any homework and I don't really have to obey anybody and I don't really have to have a power higher than myself because there's no real overriding truth anyway. And it, it, just, it just creates havoc and chaos and makes for a very, very unhappy life. So that's kind of my two cents in a nugget over these three Facebook lives. I've given you a lot of the foundational pieces that I've discovered over the last 15 years or so about principles. I hope it was super duper helpful. We're just gonna continue this conversation in the Facebook group and of course it's a huge emphasis in the academy, but it's so needed. I just think about what those youth said in that discussion and it just drives me to do more to to say more to speak more to to just keep saying it and we just need more voices in the conversation we need more people more mothers like you who are raising children who understand how critical this information is and how it really is going to save our civilization in a very literal way we have to get back to an understanding of natural law and true principles in order to maintain freedom. So on that note, let's keep doing what we're doing. Keep learning and living principles. Have a fantastic day and I will see you next week. Thanks so much for joining me. To get your free copy of my ebook, The Mission Driven Life, visit themissiondrivenmom.com. And to dig deeper and become part of our community of mission-driven moms, Join us in the Mission Driven Mom Mastermind Facebook group and check out the MDM Academy. See you next time.